Hey everybody, Tyree here with Before I Forget, and I want to tell you guys about Infinity Artist Agency, IAA. It's a full-service talent agency that delivers representation across all artistic spectrums in the entertainment industry. If you're an aspiring artist and you're trying to get into the entertainment business, hit these guys up at infinityartistagency.com. At the bottom of the page, you can submit your personal information and they'll get back to you. All you got to do is fill it out and it could change your life forever. Thanks, and let's get back to the show. Hey everybody, Tyree here with Before I Forget, along with our good friend Kevin. Say hi, Kevin. What is up? Hey, hey. We're back at it, man. It's been a long time, and even more of a long time trying to get our audio right today. <laughs> no shit. Fuck. Three three months since I've been gone, and like a year, what, 15 years to get the audio unfucked just now? Yeah, just now. That's a uh, good thing I didn't record it or anything. That would have been yeah. funny to listen to later. Anyway, yeah. fuck the bullshit. How have things been? Busy. Busy, busy, busy. Life of a drill sergeant is busy. I can only imagine. Um, how were things when you were gone? What what was the uh what were you doing to the folks who are new to the show? Because we have a bunch of folks. What were you doing when you were gone? Um, well, so for those that don't know, I am in the United States Army Reserves. I am a drill sergeant. Um, I have three MOSs, uh, infantry originally by trade and then supply and then military police. Um, so I was gone for 75, 76 days up at Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, um, uh, conducting a cycle of basic training, uh, basic combat training with new, new recruits, new trainees. So that would make my 10th cycle that I've, that I've done or been a part of, uh, maybe, maybe more 11th. I can't really remember. It's been, I've been a drill for 14 years in the reserves, um, because I really enjoy it. And, uh, um, with, uh, with uh, high hopes, it's probably my last one though. I'm trying to retire from the army. Fingers crossed, man. I hope that you're done with this shit. too. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, let me wrong, man. Like I've loved the army, right? I've been in for 22, 21, 21 and a half years now. And, um, can't be mad at anything the army has given me um, or the position that the army has kind of put me in uh, ultimately, but it's definitely uh, a young man's game. I turned 40 up there on the trail. Woo. Yeah. The big four. Oh yeah. I turned 40. Goddamn. Um, And I I felt every bit of it. You know what I mean? Like I was in so much pain that entire cycle, Uh, my trainees. So I had, I had a couple of quotes that um, I'm a big fan of quotes for, listeners that have been listening for a while, you might know that, but I'm a big fan of quotes. And I had two quotes that these trainees um, knew from me. One of them was when, you know, how's it go? When you, uh, oh my God, I can't even fucking think of the word right now. When you lack motivation, you must operate with discipline, right? And so that was obvious, right? Like when you don't have the motivation to do something, uh, you need to be disciplined enough to follow through with it anyway. Mm-hmm. Because we're we're not always motivated to wake up in the morning, go to work, or go to the gym, or do whatever. But um, discipline has to kick in and say, "Well, you know, <clears throat> this is something that we have to do, so get after it." 
Yep. Um, and that's a good thing to to teach, I think, new trainees coming into the military and really just a good uh, mantra or whatever for anybody uh, to live by. The other thing that they knew, <clears throat> this relates to my being in pain all the time, is existence is pain. And um, the bonus points is they knew where it came from, right? So I only had a handful of trainees out of the entire company, out of like 200 and I think it was 10, uh, that knew where that quote came from. Mm. And uh, do you know where it comes from? No, I, I've heard it before, but I don't think I know the or- origin of it. Rick and Morty, Mr. Meeseeks. Oh, fuck, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the longer Mr. Meeseeks sticks around, the more in, in pain Mr. Meeseeks is. And... Yeah. uh Fuck man, the longer you stick around the drill sergeant world, um, the older you get. Like the more in pain, more in pain you are. Man, man, you've been doing it for a long time, longer than some people have been alive. Isn't that weird? Like uh, mm-hmm. these trainees are coming in, and you're like, man, I've been doing this shit longer than you. I've been, I've been on leave longer than you've been in the military. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's what's interesting? So I had this is really actually kind of a full cycle, a full circle cycle for me because uh, with it being uh, my last one. Mm-hmm. Um, because one, I got to, it's my first time since joining the army that I was in an, uh, a basic training company that was infantry. Um, I was in a, 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 a 210 battalion, uh, was an infantry battalion. And then, so I haven't done basic training in an infantry battalion or company since I was in basic training in, uh, alpha company 254 back in 2001. Um, <clears throat> But like I've always worked in field artillery or military police, um, so that was cool. And then um, I think one of the other neat things is, and I've I've been meaning to make a post about it on my Instagram. But like when I graduated basic training, we had a field graduation, right, where they do the uh, where you march across and they do a pass and review, right? You remember that you did that too, right? Yep. Yeah, I have not done a graduation like that as a drill sergeant ever until this class. So I thought that was kind of neat and kind of fitting um, that my graduation from Infantry OSIT was a pass and review, and my final uh, cycle as a drill sergeant was a pass and review, and I got to march my platoon across the, the parade field. Um, so that was really, really neat. Oh, hell yeah. <clears throat> yeah, like, it was, yeah, I mean, I was like, I was really looking forward to it, because I mean, originally I was slotted as uh, the color guard, mm-hmm. but the uh, the senior drill sergeant of that platoon that I was in, um, the War Badgers, we were the War Badgers, um, <laughs> the senior right. drill sergeant like suddenly came down with a real bad case of the flu and uh, couldn't make it. So I got to walk him across and I was really, really excited about that. Um, but, um, what, yeah. So the other thing though, is I, my, I had, I also had my youngest trainee ever and my oldest trainee ever in the my same oldest, class? huh? In the same cycle. Same cycle, yeah. Wow. And actually, I had my tallest and my shortest, which is really interesting. But um, my my tallest was six six, and my shortest was four eleven and a half, um, in my platoon. And then uh, the oldest guy, he turned fifty the day before I turned forty. Mm. He was prior service army. So let's get this: this guy joined the army in nineteen ninety, and then served until two thousand one, where he's an E five promotable, almost to E six. Gets out to go work in law enforcement. Sounds familiar, right? Yeah, yeah it does. And uh, so he missed all of GWAT, though, right? So he got out March of 2001. As we know, uh, Afghanistan, or the war, officially kicked off September 12th, effectively, uh, 2001. And uh, 
So the war ends and GWAT is over, the global war on terrorism is over, and this guy decides to come back in the army. And it wasn't because he was trying to like miss out on the war. Kevin is explaining this stuff. Uh, it sounds exactly the way that I did some stuff. Got out, got in, got out, got in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this guy, so when he got out, he was working in law enforcement and then he became a federal agent. Um, he worked for, he, he's still a federal agent now. now he, he joined the, uh, the South Carolina National Guard and, uh, but he's a federal agent for ICE. Um, and he just wanted to complete his nine years. He had nine more years to retire from the army and he said, fuck it, might as well just do that now. Mm. Um, the, actually the, uh, the army, the big army PAO, the public affairs office, they actually came out and did a story on him for the, uh, for the army times. Uh, so that was really neat uh, that he got recognized for that. But yeah, that, uh, that's nice to get that kind of stuff out in print too. I mean, at some point he's going to be able to see that. That's cool. Yeah, right. And so that was part of it, though. Is like he because we we ask all of our trainees like, why did you join the army? And, and we had to ask him like, dude, like you joined in 1990 and got out in 01, like 21 year break in service. What brought you back in at almost 50? And he's like, well, I mean, one, I, I wanted to, you know, complete those nine years and get that uh, army retirement, um, and two. Because I wanted to show my 17-year-old son that if I can do it at almost 50, he can do it at 17. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, that's that's big commitment to be showing your – to proving a point to your kid. But good on you if it works out. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I guess you got to do it. Just yeah. Go ahead and strap it on and say, hey, look at this shit, son. Yeah, right. Um, you know, and so he was 11 Mike when he was uh, when he was in the Army back in the 90s. Uh, oh, okay. Which, for those that don't know, 11 Mike was the original – uh, mechanized infantry with the Bradleys. Um, back then you had 11 Bravo, Charlie, Mike, and Hotel, and they did away with the hotels and Mike's. Hotels were uh, like uh, Humphy tow gunners. But um, yeah, so he comes back in. He's he's 11 Bravo in the National Guard. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of neat. Hmm. My my youngest, though, that's what, what got me on this, is my, my youngest trainee, she was 17. Um, she'll be turning, uh, if I remember right, she turns 18 this month, but I don't remember exactly. Um, and so I was like thinking like, man, fuck dude, you're 17. I've been a drill sergeant for 14 years. You were three when I went to drill sergeant school, Mm. you know, like how wild is that? Now you know how the drill sergeant felt when you were going through. Yeah. I think, yeah. Right. I think about that too. Like I I think my oldest was maybe in his mid thirties. Uh, and I'm 40. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think my oldest was, uh, in his, in his late forties for sure. Yeah, <clears throat> no, it's it's definitely a, a kind of a, a wild experience because, I mean, I had trainees that were born in 2004 while we were in Iraq, <laughs> you know, and like and it's, it's, this is my first cycle. Well, I take that back. Not my first cycle, but um, I was going to say my first cycle, but I guess my second cycle where most of my trainees. No, no, I guess that would be right. This is my first cycle where most of my trainees were born after 9-11. So where. For us, it was a reality. For them, it's a historical event that happened. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of wild to think about. And here we are having them join the military, potentially in pursuit of some sort of justice um, on something that happened before they were born. Hey, they, uh, you know what they say, man. You joined. You raise. You raise your hand for it, right? Yeah, exactly. I well, that's what we tell them all the time. You know what I mean? Like that's that's one of our. Um, reminders when we deal with trainees and basic training is that, uh, you know, when they start like acting, you know, sluggish or demotivated or whatever, unmotivated, um, you know, we like to remind them that like, Hey, nobody made you be here, but you, Mm -hmm. right? Like we don't have a draft, right? You're not, what is it conscripted to be here? 
right? It's you went down to the recruiter's office, you went to MEPS, you showed that old guy your butthole, uh, you did the duck walk, and you raised your right hand. It was all you. Yep. <clears throat> For those of you that don't know, you, you show an old guy your butthole at MEPS. Every time. Every Sometimes, time. Some, yeah, every time. <clears throat> so. Eye contact. <laughs> over the shoulder. Butthole. <laughs> eye contact. So, uh, what has uh, been going on now that you've been back home? Fucking back to life, man. Um, I got home. Fortunately, I got home on a on a three day weekend during Indigenous Peoples Day. Sweet, uh, because because fuck Columbus, and um, and then like, that following Tuesday, right back to my civilian job, which is by comparison mundane and drags ass. Like you got to think as a drill sergeant, dude, you're working like seventy eighty hours a week, and then you come back to a forty hour week job where you barely maybe work two hours a day. Mm. It's wild, man. Like I was getting, you know, on the trail, I'm getting anywhere from like 15,000, 20,000 steps a day at my job. I'm like, I'm lucky if I get 6,000 mm. bouncing off the walls. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's including like, you know, like walking to my, I was like walking to my car, or like, you know, trying to like get extra steps in here and there. And like, it's just, it's it hard to do. Um, but you know, you figure it out. Yeah. How, um, how are those dogs? Oh, they're good. Um, still alive, still barking at shit. Um, house is still erecting, uh, erected, standing, still, still here. Word. Um, I did, but I did before I before I left. I got a new vehicle. Pretty excited about that. Um, which is, uh, I think we should talk about it a little bit because, as someone pointed out a year ago when we first started this, I don't remember what show it was, but I was hating on. People that bought newer Jeeps and specifically the Gladiators, just hating on them. <laughs> and then I go out and I buy a 2021 uh, Jeep Gladiator Mojave. And um, I I have become the thing that I hated on. Uh, but no regrets, man. That thing is fucking amazing. I love that thing. Isn't it? I have one, folks, and I sold it. What the fuck do I need one for? I might even give one later. But uh, yeah, man, your Mojave's dope, man. I love those all white i know you got some plans for it <clears throat> um a couple things here and there but I, I don't i don't really want to do too much to be honest with you because one like the gas mileage on it does suck ass i drive 70 minutes to work as nice. it is so like putting larger tires on there would definitely kick my ass in that regard but um i did put uh, a cold air intake on it which makes it sound way neater um and you were the one told me about it so thank you yep. um and just some other things, man. But like, honestly, like I'm happy with how it is. Like I'm, I don't need a ton of like crazy upgrades on it to be happy with. I just, I think the one major thing that I want to put on it is like a cage uh, of some type on the back. Um, you know, kind of like the one you're talking about with the KC lights. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I don't want the KC lights on there. Yeah. Um, or a, a full cage, but I don't know if I want to really like envelop the entire or cover the entire uh, bed of the truck, but from behind, man, the gladiators. I mean, I have one, right? But I, from behind, they just look—they look like ass. They're so plain. Yeah, just, they are. Yeah, but, but I think putting a um, some kind of like cage or something on there would make it look way, way better, beefier. Definitely. Um, when I I didn't uh, put anything on the back of mine, I just put a ton one of those folding tonneau covers. But it was a nice one. It was like a thousand dollars. Yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't want one of those either because I want to be able to use my my bed for things like um, like I already have two or three projects lined up for it. 
Um, I oh. just need a weekend to do it. Like to where I'm haul, I need to haul shit off. Oh no, this thing <clears> folds up, so it's like completely out of the way when you oh. when it's open. It was cool. Yeah. Whatever. I'm gonna get something later. Now that I have this new situation that I haven't told folks about yet on here. Well, I, th- I feel like you're about to tell folks. Yeah, I am. So, I am an intern for a talent agency called. Drum roll, please. You probably have a sound effect for that. I do, but I'm not going to fuck with those because we said we're not going to use them anymore. Uh, it's Infinity Artist Agency, IAA. Um, it's been a lot of fun, man. Potential uh, really cool things coming. There's not a lot of interns there. Uh, I I think since I've started, I've already signed quite a few, or I would have signed quite a few folks. I tell you what, though, man, not everyone's an actor. No, no, man, not everybody, not everybody, dude. Like, uh, if you if you think you should act or you want to act, like, really, really think about it. Like, is this shit for you? You know what I mean? Like, a lot of folks are like, man, I could be an actor. I can get in here and hop in and pull it off. But man, these fucking demo tapes and these self tapes are <laughs> atrocious. Yeah, and I'm going well, to tell these folks wonder, like, hey, man, we can't, we can't use you, bro. <laughs> I wonder, I wonder what that is though. Like, I wonder if like, okay, so like, let's say you're casting for a role and it's in like a fucking sci-fi fantasy movie in the in space mm-hmm. with aliens, and you know, the scene that you need to act out is you shooting laser guns in a fight against robot fucking bad guys, yeah. and you need to call in support while also performing first aid on a casualty like i like how oddly specific that was but um i mean if it's in a script that's what you got to do right yeah so like i mean like i think in your mind you gotta you definitely gotta place yourself in that situation like okay like how would this play out mm-hmm. um and you know i think you know I've, I've never done any acting right like um but i think like you just have to like pretend you're there like the pre- i mean that's what acting is right like you're playing pretend essentially yeah um i've done just, some shit um yeah, basically pretend. It, it's it's weird and it's surreal the first time, like the first couple times you go through a scene, but after that it's just fucking, it's work. But yeah. you just have to block out the fact that there's a director over here and these enormous cameras here. You just got to block that out. Even if you're background, it, you still have to act the part. Like, that's your job. You don't just go in there and, and wing it. Like, do it to the best of your abilities, but don't do it to the fact or to the point that it just looks odd. And that's what I'm yeah. getting in a lot of these uh, self tapes. Oh, these guys, <clears throat> and I feel like the I feel like a bad guy because I'm I'm the one that's going to be like, man, it's uh, it's going to be a no for me, dog. I'm just, <clears throat> <laughs> but we you know we don't just do we do movies, commercial, uh, theater, and modeling and voiceover. So if you're listening and you hear this and you live in the Los Angeles or New York City area and at some point in Atlanta, hit us up, man, if you if you know what you're doing. <clears throat> I have to add that caveat. But it's been a lot of fun, man. I have a yeah. I have a I have an idea of a vehicle I want to get when this really gets going. It's gonna be cool. A, a Lambo? No, no, no. No. No, 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 no. I'm gonna get like a nineteen seventy Camaro. Cooper. Camaro. No. 1970 Camaro. All black. It's going to be sweet. 
and then shopping. Either that or uh, <laughs> one of those, just because I'm a big fan of Entourage, the Lincoln Continental with the suicide doors. You're over here spending money you ain't got. Hey, man, I'm going to have a whole lot of it when this shit gets popping. The way the contracts work, it's, it's really, uh, it's crazy. I understand why people like uh, really, really want to do this so much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, good luck with all that. That sounds, I mean, it does kind of sound kind of fun and kind of liberating too, because it gives you like free range to kind of do what you need to here and there. Oh yeah. My Um, boss is a veteran. He's whatever I, uh, whoever I put in front of him, he's like, I trust your judgment. It's all good. Wonder, um, that sounds like a really good segue to something else I want to talk about because you're over here recruiting talent for, you know, uh, movies and, and, and other shit, right? Like, do you do, do you uh, recruit singers for things? You know what? I don't think we do music so much. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm sure we would take a person that can sing and if they can sing in a play, then yeah, sure. Right. That Well, that, that definitely involves a different level of talent, I'd imagine, because, yeah. you know, a play, mm-hmm. you got to sing while also being, you know, in the, the play. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's if that makes sense. Full exposure. Like I get nervous changing in front of my wife. Think about it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jokes. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. But that shit's um, heavy. Like I, one of the, per, one of the people that I asked like, Hey, would you, uh, would you want to do some theater work? And she's like, no. I'm like, why not? She's like, that's a big step, man. I'm not really ready for that. So she's going to stick with the model and stuff, and I'm sure she's going to have stuff pop up quick. So, Yeah. Yeah. You know well, I mean, who it is, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, who is it? Aaron. Name drop. Oh, yeah. Yeah. As soon as I, I'm like, hey, I need you to apply. And uh, they saw her pictures because she did modeling work, and she did a self-tape that was a billion times better than all the other actors combined. Mm-hmm. And before we were done, the uh, my boss was in the meeting, Zoom, you know, Zoom meeting, mm-hmm. doing an interview, and she was on the side, like, hey, you know, she's got a contract with us, no matter what. So, I mean, they're <clears throat> they're they want people. Well, they want people that don't suck. Yeah, there you go. Right. Yeah. Um, but that's cool, though, man. Um, I can see modeling working out for her. Mm-hmm. Um. A, a very attractive person. Yep. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's really interesting though. Cause I mean, it, it, I wonder if, I mean, I don't know how you would really recruit a singer for talent unless you're like trying to like book them like local shows or something like that. But there's a lot that goes into <clears> it. I mean, there, I mean, from the point that I get somebody to come to talk to me, because it, it's not easy. Like, everyone wants to do it, but once you really get into it and you hand them the email and say, hey, email me this, and I need this video, and I need, you know, your headshots and all this kind of stuff, that's when they either decide, all right, I'm going to go for this shit, or I'm not. Once we get yeah. past that, there's more interviews, and you gotta, we got to get you ready to sell yourself. We have to start selling you to studios. Um we got to start, you, you got to be on time. Holy shit. Like that is everything. Everything yeah. doesn't even matter. Like if you're not there, you're useless to me. Like I, I, I stress that out to people like, Hey, this is all fun and games and cool. But when you're late, dude, I cannot use you and you got to go. Yeah. I mean, unless you're like famous, 
you know, you can't afford to be, be late, especially I, I would think in that community or exactly. that, that, um, you know, environment, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But like, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, cause when you explained to me before, like you have to like one try out or audition to be, uh, a talent at the agency you're working for. Mm-hmm. So then that's the first hurdle. And then you guys say, okay, we think this person, we, we're going to take them on and we think that this person might be good for these types of roles. So then, the agency will seek out those types of roles and then recommend your talent to those roles. Right. And then your person has to say yay or nay, and then they go audition for that role. And then, you know, like, and I've, I've, I've read about actors having to audition once or having to audition several times. And you gotta think, I, I don't think, I don't think a lot of people realize this, but like even your big name actors have to audition for a role, mm-hmm. right? Like Chris Pratt is still out there auditioning for roles. Right. Yeah. Sometimes roles are written for them. Yeah, I was gonna say that's different. That's a shoot. But in. like but like sometimes they still have to audition for roles. Um you know, they still gotta go out to throw their name in the hat and be like, This I, I think I'd be good for this part because XYZ. Mm-hmm. And so as a as a as a new talent, um, I can imagine that challenge being even greater because, you know, is I, I would imagine it's, it's it's a lot like a pyramid where you have a lot of quote unquote talent at the bottom, mm-hmm. and the more famous you get, the more talented you are, and you move up that pyramid, it might you know, it might like taper off and get less and less and less, but you're still competing against these other greats that are out there. Yeah, that's exactly how it is, and you explained it like perfectly. I can't explain it any better than that. You're at the bottom right now. Like we're gonna get you background work, commercial work. Um, some magazine work that, you know, probably a lot of people haven't heard of because the big ones haven't heard of you. So mm-hmm. we, we got to crawl before we run. And that's kind of unsettling or ugly to people. They want to be right in the, in the big movies, but that's not the way it works. Unless, well, I mean, unless you got the looks, man. And, and, you yeah. know, one, one role can do it for you. Who knows? Right. One, one breakout role. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, and you think about like some of these like big names. I mean, and really the only one that comes up to mind um, that I can like throw out there right now is like Jennifer Lopez, for example. I mean, she got her start as a dancer on In Living Color in the '90s as a fly girl, mm-hmm. right? Before that, she was just Jennifer Lopez from the block. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, and now she's probably one of the most recognized names in the world. Um, and in she her grinded, in her industry, she grinded the whole way too. Yeah. Um, so, but I think. That problem though is right. Like we're we're in a the information age, right, where everything is accessible immediately, and so therefore my success my success should also be immediate. Um, and then when you find out, fuck, I gotta work for a little bit. Like I actually have to like, like you said, crawl, and then I have to walk, and then I have to run, mm-hmm. um, and I have to continue to do that. Like you know, I, I've 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 heard some you know self made millionaires and billionaires talk about how you know they they started from the bottom. You talking about Mark Cuban, whatever. Who, who talked about living in the corner of an apartment with like four or five other people. And like, he had one corner of this apartment and that's where he lived while he worked on creating, um, his, uh, wealth. And now, I mean, he's a self-made billionaire and he's still out there working. Like he's still doing things. Um, another great example is, uh, I was talking about this the other day with a friend of mine, um, Shaquille O'Neal, right? Granted. Yeah. I mean, he was blessed with uh, size, Right? He's a big, big man. Um, but that doesn't mean that he didn't have to work hard to be one of the greatest NBA players, right, of all time. I mean, Kobe even talked about like if if Shaq had if Shaq had the work ethic that Kobe had, 
Shaq would have been the greatest player of all time. Mm-hmm. They would have had ten um, rings. Yeah, and then on top of that, you think about like, okay, so, so Shaq's not playing basketball anymore, but he has his name on every fucking thing. Yeah, I just found out the other day that he has a um, a fine jewelry line at Walmart. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like he has his name on everything, and everything is generating passive income for this guy. All he has to do is exist, but he still has to go out and work. He still has to do interviews. He still has to do. Uh, agree to contracts. You still have to like negotiate things, right? So like the work becomes different, but it's still work. It's still a grind. Mm-hmm. I and I think a lot of people nowadays, man, they're just not used to that type of work, right? Because you, you can go on TikTok or you can go viral on YouTube and generate millions of, of, of likes and follows. And, and that equates to wealth somehow because you see it on TikTok a lot too, right? So you'll see these accounts that have 200, 400, you know, a million followers, most of which I'm sure are bots, right? But like these people are like, oh, well, I have all these followers. Now I'm, I'm going to create an all my links that's going to have um, uh, a link to uh, a website where you can go buy my merch, right? And so the last like five years, the word merch, like shortened for merchandise, has become um, so commonly used that it's its own word by itself. Uh, it's because these people are just creating like these like I have a hoodie or I have a sweatshirt or I have a t-shirt that has my likeness on it drawn very crudely and has like a catchphrase that I said or something like that. And, um, and then they want to make money on that. And like, you know, and they expect that to generate all this like massive wealth. And then people are seeing these videos that they're creating and they're like, Oh man, they're living a really cool life. And this is what they're doing. They've generated all these follows. They generated all these likes. They've created all this merchandise and it's that easy, but it's not. It's really not. And it's not sustainable. Mm-mm. It's fleeting as fuck. Because yeah. you know, like you're saying, you go viral one time, it's not going to continue to happen. Like, let's be honest here, everyone else is trying to do it. And there's millions and millions of people that are doing it, and a lot of them are probably doing it better than you. But you know, shoot for the stars. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and that's not to discourage anybody from trying, because you know, if, if you don't try, then you're not going to get anywhere at all. Yeah. Right. Um, um, you absolutely should fucking try. As a matter of fact, I was talking to that same friend today about, um, you know, she was growing up, you know, she wasn't really encouraged to follow any dreams of, of hers. Uh, she wants to sing. Um, and she's an incredible voice and, um, you know, like she wasn't really encouraged to, to follow that dream. Like she did some things here and there, uh, like, like, like little pageants or whatever and auditions for singing here and there. But like, she would get so beat up over these like minor, like minute things that had no relevance at all. And then just, which kind of be shut down. Um, and you know, so, but like she hasn't lost hope of that. Like she still wants to to pursue that and, and, and to be a singer. And I, I, it's absolutely possible. Mm-hmm. You, know, you just have to like go out after it um, and, and get it going. Yeah. I was saying all that, not to like discourage people. Cause look at us doing a podcast. Who gives a shit? Right. Um, I say that to say, like, go after it. If you're going to do it, do it. Don't don't half-ass it, man, because you, all you're going to do is waste your time and somebody else's. You got to yeah. come with it if you're going to do it, especially stuff like, I mean, acting. Who, who, that's not something that everybody can do. So think of it as a specialty, and that's your specialty. You need to sharpen that skill. You need to get out there and work it. And don't yeah. take, I mean, you're going to hear no all the time. All the time. And it's not a big deal. It's going to happen. Like, they don't want you for something. They say, fuck it. Go into the next one. 
you can't stop. And when you stop, that's when you have problems. Right. Yeah. Um, I read something about, um, Oh my God. Was it JK Rollins? Um, about her books. How many times I can't remember what it was. It was what she was turned down by. I just Googled it. So turned down by like 12 publishers, Mm -hmm. right? Before finding the publisher that would publish, uh, what does she do? Harry Potter. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And Harry Potter is also one of the largest names probably known worldwide. Um, or at least, you know, in a lot of places, right? Like everybody loves looking Harry Potter, all those books and those fucking movies. I've never seen them. Uh, it's not my, it's not my cup of tea, but, um, you know, I mean, told no 12 different times. Right. And then all it takes is that one fucking time, yeah. one time to be like, Hey, yeah, no, we'll, we'll run with this. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. And, and look at that. I mean, the same can be said for uh, Sylvester Stallone, right? Like he was homeless. He sold his, his dog for, for money so that he could get by so that he could sell his script. And the first thing he did was he went and bought his dog back when he, when he, when he sold it, I think he sold it for like a hundred thousand dollars for Rocky. Wow. Right. Like that's, that's how like bottom of the barrel he was, right? Like that's where he was in his life when he sold Rocky and one Rocky is probably one of the most iconic movies ever made in the American film industry. Um, one of the most motivational, it's still fucking quoted today. And he's also, also one of the largest known, um, uh, action stars from the eighties, nineties, early thousands. And today, yeah, I dare you to run, to not run up a huge flight of stairs and wave your hands like a crazy person <laughs> at the top of it. After you ran your ass off, that's Rocky, baby. It's a fucking yeah. American dream. Well, I mean, what is that in Philadelphia? Right. Yeah. And how many people have gone to those same steps and recreated that moment? You know what I mean? Um, all from this, all, script from, all uh, from this guy who was like at the yeah at the at the at the, at the bottom of his uh it was like his rock bottom if essentially, mm-hmm. um pretty pretty fucking neat honestly, but he worked for it like he he was out there you know he wasn't the Italian sign for too long but he worked for it yeah um for those of you that don't know Google Italian stallion Sylvester Stallone see what comes up <clears throat> if you're over the if you're over the age of eighteen. <laughs> Um, yeah, when we said yeah, he man. was grinding, boy, he was grinding. All right, guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and it is a really interesting. So you talk about like you mentioned um, our 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 podcast. So like just over a year ago, we started, and oh had no yeah, idea. man, congratulations yeah. on a year, buddy. Yeah, our uh, first show yeah. a year back. But go ahead, my bad. What was it? October uh, October eleventh. Yeah. So just over a year, actually. Shit, like, yeah, a couple days. But uh, and you know, and I don't know we've talked about this before, but like whenever whenever we first started, we didn't really think anything was going to come of it. Like we didn't think it was going to be followed by hardly anybody. Maybe the guys that we were deployed with, um, we didn't think it would have any kind of impact, um, when it came to like mental health and, uh, those who were suffering from mental health issues, we didn't think it would be in season fucking two where we are now. Um, for sure. Oh no. Like, you know, here we are with actual setups and microphones and we're like to the point where we can actually have technical difficulties. And that's kind of, that's kind of neat to think, right? Like we, we live, um, as far as the podcast, the podcast lives in a place where we can have technical difficulties. Yeah. Right. Where it's not, not just like two guys on a phone call recording it because mm-hmm. that's effectively what we were doing in the beginning. Um, so it's, it's really neat, um, uh, to see that kind of growth. Obviously it's not like, 
generating um, income. Um, oh, no. I mean, at this point, who even cares? I, I'm having so much fun just talking to people and just doing things. Yeah. I'm, I'm no, having yeah. a blast. But, you know, like, you know, right? Like, uh, you know, and that's, and that's, that's kind of a thing, right? Like, I don't, I don't, uh, I'm starting to realize this more and more as I get older, but like trading your time for anything, it better be worth it, right? Mm-hmm. So obviously we go to work and we work for an hourly wage um, and you're trading your time for that hourly wage. So that job says that your time per hour is worth X amount of dollars. Um, and your free time, right? Like your weekends and your evenings or whatever you have off, you know, right? what you do with your life is how you value your own time. Right? Do you go to the gym, or are you uh, putting in work on a separate project that might pay, make you um, active or passive income? Um, are you tending to your family? Are you building things at home? I and mean, what are you doing with your time? And that's how you value your own time. Like, what are you putting it towards? And we all have our lazy moments, right? Where we just want to like lay in bed or lay on the couch and watch fucking TV and binge watch some shit. Um, and that's fine because you have to have those moments. But like, what are you doing the rest of the time? Um, I heard this quote and. It's it's been a minute, so I, I might uh, misquote it, but you know, <clears throat> it's not what you're doing from nine to five, but what you're doing from five to midnight, right? Because mm-hmm. nine to five, that's your job. That's you have to go there. You're making money for somebody else, but the five to midnight, that's where you're going to grow your own wealth, and that's where you're going to grow yourself to the point where that nine to five is no longer relevant. Yeah. So what are you doing between those hours? Like what, what are you sacrificing? Um, what are you building? What are you creating? Um, and I thought it was really neat. I thought it was kind of a neat, kind of like a, like a, I don't know, like a epiphany or like an eye opener or whatever. Uh, the guy that was talking about it, you know, he was talking about how his wife was going to college and what, earning her PhD. So she had a job. I think she was like a, a, a teacher or something. I can't remember what her job was. And then in the after hours when she wasn't doing her job, she was working on her PhD and getting that. And he was like, well, fuck, man, like I'm sitting here on the couch, not doing anything while she's up there, like grinding away, like she's working all day and she's coming home and doing this. Like, what am I doing? And so he got off his ass and he went down into his basement and created some product. I can't remember what it is now. Um, It wasn't a product that I would use, but um, still really pretty neat, though. He was like, fuck it, man. Like, what am I doing? Six to midnight. What am I doing? Mm-hmm. No, that's six hours, six hours. Yeah. A lot of us like, fuck, I worked all day. I don't want to come home and do things. You know, I want to come home and I want to space out. I want to decompress. I want to play video games. I want to binge watch that fucking show that just came out. You want to get caught up in the new season or I got to make dinner. I got to do this. I got to do that. And I get it. Like for some folks, like you have other responsibilities, you know, kids or uh, whatever else, but like find the time. I mean, even if it's like, you know, kids go to bed at like eight o'clock and like that's eight to midnight. What are you doing? You know? Can you can you put in some work on something? Can you go to online college? Can you get some certifications? Can you build something in your garage or in your bedroom or whatever? Right? Can you read about something that's going to help you create something or design something? And um, that really that really did kind of sit with me um, in a different way and uh, put a lot of things into perspective because even though success isn't immediate, doesn't mean that you know, you don't fucking work for it, right? Like it doesn't mean that like you can't, it doesn't mean that it can't be. And it doesn't mean that you shouldn't still work towards something bigger mm-hmm. and greater than you, right? Because who, who, who really wants to work for a company that says, I value your time at fucking 18, 50 an hour, yeah. $18. If you think about that, like, right. Like I make 25 something an hour at my job, right? So I'm told by my job 
that I I'm worth $25 an hour. That's it. What can you buy for $25? You can't even get your tank a quarter of a way full with $25 <laughs> out here, man. Especially that fucking gladiator. Shit. You know what I'm saying? But like you think the average meal, right? If I go out and eat by myself, I get a meal and I order a beer, maybe two beers. Um, that might cost me about $25, maybe, maybe a little more, maybe a little less, depending on what I eat. Right. Factor in the tip. Right. But like, uh, you know, so like my, my one hour of my life is worth that meal, but what is it worth to me? Right. Well, that's what my, that's what my time is valued by my, my job. What is it worth to me? It's my life. It's the only life that I have. So what is my time valued at to me and how am I spending it? How am I wasting it? You know? Yeah. You don't get that shit back at all, man. No, nah, man. There's no respawn. Yeah. Right? You guys who are who are in the older crowd of our show, like the 40 and above, like us now, I guess. Uh, yeah. You can't get that time back, bro. So every time you do have a, a chance to, to, you know, advance yourself, like Kevin's saying, take it. Because, you know, one email can save your life. Something yeah. weird like that, man. Or not really save your life, but put it on a different course. Yeah. Well, and you know, you, you talk about that too, like the butterfly effect. I mean, so like something that you worked on, something that you were passionate about when you were a kid that you just kind of gave up on when you became an adult because nobody encouraged you to follow it. Mm-hmm. And now here you are in your, you know, your twenties, your thirties, or your forties, even fucking even your fifties. And you know, like, you know what? Like I, I still have a flame. Um, I still have a passion for that thing. Fucking pursue it then. Why not? Who's stopping you? What is stopping you? There's literally nothing on this planet that's stopping you from pursuing any dream at any point in time, unless you live in a household where you're not encouraged to do so. Go do that. Go do those things, right? Um, again, my, the the same friend I've been talking about, like I was talking to her about it today, like I, you know, being an ADD kind of person, right? Like my mind is all over the place. I have several interests and I want to do these things. Um, but like there's so many things that, I, that I'm interested in and, you know, like interest for ADD people can be fleeting, but it doesn't mean that the passion is not there to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the problem for us anyway becomes uh, where do I start and how do I start? And the start point is so many different places. And I have so many other things going on. I have this clutter in my life and this thing going on, blah, 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 blah. And so it just like makes the path less clear. Um, so that, that I understand for, for some folks that that can be an, an issue uh, when it comes to, to starting as well. But I mean, it's still doable. It's still fucking possible. Like ADD people are just as successful and they're millionaires and billionaires too. Mm-hmm. Um, so how does that relate to the show? Right. Like, okay, so the show's not monetized. We're not making money off of anything that we do. We don't run ads anymore. We did on anchor, but like, you know, they earned us like half a cent a fucking a day, basically, or a a week, really is what it equated to. It wasn't anything. Not worth the headache. No, like uh, we definitely with the money that we made um, running ads on anchor, I think we might be able to fill up one of our tanks with gas. Yep. Yeah. On California prices. So, um, not a lot there, um, but and and, that, and that's fine because like like we have said in, in the past, like it's not we weren't doing this to monetize it. However, um, we are using our time to create this show to put out content for people to listen to, uh, and it is fun, right? It, it, especially receiving the feedback that we do get occasionally from people. Like the feedback is great; we love that feedback. Um, so continue to do so if you have, and do so if you have not. But um, even if we don't know you, yeah, like we don't want, we don't need to not, we don't need to know you to want your feedback. We want to know what your fucking thoughts are because you are a human being that exists on this planet with an opinion. And so send it, but like, 
you know, and, and, and being able to talk to some of these people that we get to talk to or reconnect with people that we haven't spoken with in years, that's great. And that, that is invaluable, right? But, you know, if there's a way that we could, to, could, to, to generate some type of income off of doing the show, I would be okay with it only because when you've never had a large amount of money or any amount of money, really, like, how how would you handle it, right? Like, how would you, because you get some people, like, I, I win the lottery today, what am I going to do with it? The first question people always, like, ask, what do you, what would you do if you win a million dollars or if you won a hundred million dollars, if you won the lottery? One of the pe- things people always say, oh, man, I'd pay off everything. I'd pay off my house, pay off my cars, pay off my parents' house, my sister's house, my brother's house, fucking uncle's house, my 15th uh, uncle uh, twice removed, blah, blah, blah. I'd get, you know, whatever, right? I'd do all these things. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever talks about investing it, right? Nobody ever talks about donating to um, a cause that is near and dear. Nobody ever talks about like how they could um, really benefit a community, right? Yeah, sure, you pay off houses. That's great. You so you you're saving somebody their mortgage, right? So you're t- you're taking away a responsibility of those those people have to to pay a bill. <clears throat> but how are you really helping, right? And I would like to think that. With one of the pathways that we um, kind of created or I don't know, it was one of the um, ripple effects, I guess you could say, of, of starting the show is like being able to hear people's uh, h- how the show has helped them, right, with, with PTSD or mental health in, in general. And I would like to think that like if the show was, was somehow monetized to the point where like we were actually able to like generate a decent amount of money, like could you imagine – how we could actually help because it's one thing to talk about it, right? It's one thing to bring awareness and talk about it, right? And and I'm all for people talking about things and normalizing things. But if if there's nothing on the outside that really helps, I mean, because you, you can go to the VA and get fucking psychological help, sure. You can go to the vet center and sit down and talk with those folks, sure. But like if funding isn't there, those things don't exist, right? If there's not some type of organization that reaches out to these people and helps them, then that help isn't there and they don't exist. And I would like to think that like if, if, and Tyree, I'm sure you agree that like if the show is monetized to the point where like we were able to generate money, then uh, we, we, we could give to that. Definitely. We don't need the money for this. I'm, I'm good. <clears throat> no, I mean, really no, like I'm, 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 I live a pretty decent life with, with my job and everything else. So like, it's fine. But like, I don't know. It'd be cool. I don't know why we got on that subject. Because um, we got big yet. fucking hearts. That's why, God damn it. Mine's the size of my fist, according to science. Word. Mine's <laughs> enormous, and that's why I have such a short lifespan. Right. <laughs> now, yeah. um, so, uh, speaking about uh, shows that changed people and, you know, have different kind of outcomes, me and you did a show, and uh, it was the last show that we have uh, aired right and uh, that was a crazy story i don't know if you guys have heard it um a lot of people have heard it actually that's not even a joke it has really great numbers um but that's not the point behind that the point behind this one was uh you know the person that we did the show with is gone but an entire story their entire military career from their lips is recorded and their kids can listen to that now. And that's yeah. what I always wanted. That was it. Isn't that crazy? Like <clears throat> this is that it, was the goal. It is really interesting to think because 
What day did you release that show? What was the date? Do you remember? Um, like two days ago. Was it two days ago? Yes. Nah, it was like Thursday or Friday, wasn't it? Friday. Oh, okay. Yeah. So three days after our one year anniversary, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, what's really interesting about that is because, again, for the folks that don't know, um, Tyree and I started the show. Tyree had the idea. He started to, to start the show um, and call it before I forget because we wanted to tell our stories before we forgot them and have them for people in our families to listen to after we're gone. And almost a year uh, to the day from us starting the show, we were able to release a show that was previously lost. Um, It actually was a lost show. And coincidentally, Tyree was able to find it in time or not in time, but um, he was able to find it um, and reached out to him uh, and, and found that they had passed. So it's an, it's an, it's fucking unfortunate. Like I feel bad that he didn't, he never got to hear his own show, but, or, or at least see um, the reactions or the expressions on his friends and family's faces when they first heard the show. Yeah. Um, but that show, his service and the things that he wanted to say in regards to his service are forever um, in existence. And they've been published. That was the the last show that was published right on the 14th. Yes. Um, so yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty kind of wild and also kind of full circle, right? Like the whole point of the show, original point, the original idea, like kind of came to fruition almost uh, just, a, oh, just about a year later. Yeah. So yeah, look, uh, <clears throat> for, if, if you don't know, if you haven't heard the show, it's called for trip. It's uh Spencer, you know, he's known as trip, but Spencer Robbins. Um, it's crazy, man. But, uh, you know, hopefully we don't run into this kind of, uh, circumstance on the show again. But I mean, if we do, we got you. And I want to thank his family so much because it it could have been easy for them to say, no, we don't, we don't want to have that out to everybody. That's some sacred shit. You know, that's the last interview. That's it. Yeah. Um, I, I would think that, you know. If somebody had that kind of stuff for me, I would please please ask my family if you want to put that out first. And you, the one that told me that, because I was, I was like, man, I'm gonna fire this off right now. You know, <laughs> they gotta hear it. But you know, who am I to, to jam this in these people in this family's face? You know, yeah. they just lost a loved one. Who who who's to say they want to hear that right now? Right. So you know, as a collective, before I forget, um, group, me and you came to the decision that well. Really, you gave me the decision that, you know, wait. So I did. Yeah. I wish I had. I wish you could have heard it, but, you know, here we are. You can't go backwards. Right. And fuck, man, because we recorded that show, what, four months ago? Yes. Four four months ago. Four months later. And I look for it. I look for it everywhere, man. I looked everywhere. Like uh, my thumb drives, my computer I, w- I listen to so many different shows to f- try to find this one because some of the other ones aren't labeled. So I'm sure there's even more, you know, lost episodes on here somewhere. But right, that's. But uh, I mean, it's the uh, still man four four months ago, and we, you know, nobody knew, nobody knew that come October he was going to pass. Right, and that's how that's how 
that's how that shit works, man. You never know. Today we're here, tomorrow, fucking different story. Yep. So uh, you better do something. Yeah, man. So fucking get out there. You know, go chase after your fucking passion. Live your fucking life, dude. Like, what's what's the worst that happens? Somebody says no. Fuck them. No, oh, yeah. You should uh, look forward to hearing no. That way you know that yeah. you're out there doing it. You know, if you keep hearing yes, it's going to make you soft. I, I, yeah. Not make you soft, but, you know, you get used to hearing yes and, and you start phoning stuff in. And uh, once that starts happens, happening, your uh, your quality of work is shitty and then you fall off. Yeah. No, yeah, for sure, man. Like, if you're always told yes and nobody challenges you or nobody makes those small corrections, um, like constructive feedback, um, then, yeah, like you, you might not fucking grind as hard. Oh yeah, have some friends that they'll tell you, "Hey man, uh, this is would be better if we do it in a different way." Yeah, take advice. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, we were talking about the whole um, talent agency recruiting people for that for that purpose or whatever, mm-hmm. and it made me think of, um, and it's kind of going back on the what I was just doing up at Fort Leonard Wood. Kind of made me like think of like the challenges we're having now in the army and um, this is a terrible segue, honestly, but um, it's been on my mind and it's actually kind of interesting. Uh, Not necessarily unique to the United States uh, military, but like it's definitely an interesting time in the military um, and in the U S but like we had trainees uh, that were redirected from Fort Jackson and Fort Sill and sent to Fort Leonard Wood um, because so few people have joined the army this year. They didn't have enough trainees to fill cycles. So when you're a drill sergeant in a company, there's, you know, hopefully 11, 12 others of you and a command team. And you're just waiting for trainees to join the army, go through reception and get assigned to your unit and you pick them up and you train them. But if there's not enough trainees, then your unit gets what they call a non-conduct where you just don't do a cycle. Right. So your cycle gets canceled and you wait for the next one. So I was there. We were at Leonard Wood as the Army Reserve Drill Sergeant uh, program. Our main mission is to assist active duty during summer surge, because that's when there's the highest influx of trainees at all these basic training sites uh, Fort Benning, Fort Jackson, Fort Sill and Fort Leonard Wood. This summer was so uh, the Army is so far behind on recruitment or they were so far behind on recruitment FY22 that most of the companies, a lot of the companies had non-conducts during summer surge, which is impossible. It's, ne- it's never heard of. And it made me really kind of think about like why that's a thing. Like why are people not joining the army? So like the army's goal, uh, recruitment goal for FY22 was 30,000 troops. The army missed that goal by half, <clears throat> 15,000, 15,000 people did not join the army um, based on what the army was shooting for. Right. So 15,000 people they missed. And it kind of, it kind of made me think about like why that's a thing. So like the department of defense has this like number, this magic number that they've created 1.3 million, right. Total force, right. All branches and uh, the reserves and guard. So they want 1.3 million people to serve in the United States military at any given time. Um, and that number is created because uh, they determined what would it take 
to fight two conflicts at the same time? How large would our force need to be to handle two conflicts at the same time, presumably one abroad and one at home? And that number they came up with was 1.3 million, right? Which is also an interesting fact to think, right? So if there's 1.3, if we're at capacity at 1.3 million people in a country that houses 340, 350 million people, like do the math, like that's less than, less than 1%. That's tiny. Right. So that's, and you think about, you think back to the American revolution, for example, just by comparison, the American revolution had, um, what they called, so what we call nowadays, the three percenters, 3% of the population during the American revolution fought in the American revolution. Right. Granted, these aren't all soldiers, like some mostly like farmers and, um, other type of laborers, right? But three percent of the American population, or the colon, the, the colonial uh, population, fought in the American Revolution to win that war, um, and that's not including the French that assisted us. Yeah. Today, that number is less than one percent defends the nation against all enemies, foreign and domestic. How wild is that? Right. That is insane. One less than one percent. Could you imagine less than one percent defending? Something so massive, so large, and so near and dear to, you know, everybody that lives here for the most part, right? But like <clears throat> it's it's what's interesting is 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 the way that math works out. So um I, I watched a video on this on YouTube actually uh by um a veteran ran organization called Task and Purpose or journalists now. They were all military and now they do journalism stuff and primarily military type stuff. And um, because I was in search for like, you know, what are the potential impacts of this? And one of the things that he mentioned in this video is that the 15,000 shortage, the 15,000 troop shortage this year in two years from now with everybody getting out of the military, because there's, there's always an ebb and flow. There's always people coming in. There's always people leaving. The projected numbers of people leaving over the next two years with the projected numbers of people coming in and will come, will come in next year. Will leave us forty thousand short by the year uh, 2025, 2024, 25 timeframe. Forty thousand short in the United States Army. That's two divisions, right? Two divisions, and the division is massive. Like Tyree and I, we were part of the first infantry division. We were in second brigade over in Germany. The other three brigades were back at uh, Fort Riley, Kansas. A division is massive. Right. Divisions run military installations. So if you in two years from now, you cut out 40,000 troops from from the, the United States Army active duty, you might as well just shut down two military installations. Right. Because they don't have the troops. Obviously, that's not what's going to happen. We're not going to shut down installations. We're going to we're going to spread people out. But now what you have to worry about is manning. Right. So now you have these units that are 30 percent under strength, 40 percent under strength. Right. And they're expected to go perform their duties under strength. So now they're working double shifts. Right. So let's say you're a military police officer and you're stationed uh, stateside and military police. They actually do a job. They, they patrol base and they keep they protect and serve the base. Right. Just like regular cops. But now they're, you know, 30 percent short. So now you've got more people doing more time on patrol than they normally would. Right. So working longer shifts instead of eight hour shift, they might be working a 12 hour shift or a 16 hour shift. Right. So now they're working longer and they're working more of those shifts. And that increases the opportunity for mistakes. Yep. So more mistakes are made. Right. So more people are getting in trouble. 
more uh, more uh, military police are making mistakes that they shouldn't have made, right? Where they're like, you know, firing on a suspect when they shouldn't have, or or something to that effect, right? Um, you think about how that works out for combat arms who are deployed overseas, right? Because despite the global war on terror being over, we still have people operating overseas, right? Africa and some parts of the Middle East. So now you've got this infantry company who is supposed to have, let's say, 120 soldiers of infantry, but now they're 30% short, right? So 30% short roughly comes out to what fucking, they, now they have 90 people. They're about, I can't do fucking math off the top of my head, but like, let's say, let's, let's say the Brett 90, 95 people. Ain't enough. <clears throat> no, no, right? So like, can you imagine doing what we were doing over there, but with missing an entire squad from our platoon? Because not, that's what it comes out to. It's not right? possible. Like, this eight-man squad has now dwindled down to five, maybe six, right? And you're, you're expected to go out and perform these same tasks. You're expected to go out and perform these long missions on these long deployments. And now these deployments are going to be longer because we don't have enough people to replace you. So the quality of life when deployed goes down. The uh, amount of mistakes made on that deployment go up. The um, suicide rates go up. PTSD goes up. I mean, just everything just turns to shit. <clears throat> and this isn't like, obviously this isn't the, 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 the people of America. It's not their problem, right? It's not, if you don't want to join the military, you don't want to join the military. But <clears throat> you have to wonder like, why is it that people are just not joining right now? Like what's going on? So historically when employment rates are really, really low or unemployment rates are really, really low, right? So like <clears throat> right now we're looking at like a 3%, 3.5% or whatever the fuck it is. Mm-hmm. Um, people aren't joining the military because why would I join the military? Why would I go through that when I can just go get this job over here and make better money? Right. So one of the, one of the stats that they threw out in that, on that episode of that video, your average private in the army makes $22,000 a year. The average high school graduate getting a job in the civilian sector makes an average of $40,000 a year. Right. So why would I join the military to make almost uh, uh, half of what I made, what I could make. Um, so there's that. Like, why would I? Why, why, why would I join to go get yelled at in basic training and be at the bottom of the barrel and be treated like shit? Mm-hmm. Um, and do these fucking things that I don't want to do and go on these long rucks and blah blah blah. I can't even finance nothing because my APR is high as shit. Right. Stuff like that. Like you, you ain't getting the money like to to pay off that kind of thing. It's crazy, and that's crazy that things <clears throat> are going on like that. Right. Well, one one thing that people are missing though. In on on that particular statistic, is that they're not factoring in what is taken care of for that young soldier in the army, right? Because healthcare is provided. Um, if you if you're a single soldier, you're living in the barracks, so you don't have to worry about rent. If you're a married soldier, you can live in off post housing, and you're paid basic allowance for housing, so you don't have to worry about rent, mm-hmm. right? So all of these other things are factored in, and that actually places the um, the average soldier, like the average uh, private, at eight percent higher than than um their 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 civilian counterpart um so i mean you think like i'm only making twenty thousand dollars a year but i have no expenses so that's twenty thousand dollars that's hitting my bank account it's all cash, that's mine and it's all me yeah that's all cash now you think about that forty thousand that you're making as a high school graduate in your first job you got to pay rent you got to pay this you got to pay that you got to pay these things right taxes it's half right. going before you <clears> touch it yeah, and that's the other thing. So, like, when you live on a military installation, you don't pay taxes on things that you buy. So we're we're you know we're not wasting money on that as, as well. 
So <clears throat> it was really, really interesting. Um, and like I said earlier, like it's not a problem that's unique to the United States. Apparently, apparently uh, Canada and the UK are suffering similar uh, issues. Um, like it's projected that uh, the, the United Kingdom, their military, what was it, is going to be down to 70, 72,000 people by 2025, which is 10,000 under what they want to be at. Right. And that ain't and that, shit as it is. Right. Yeah. I mean, and you got to think like your military is your nation's defense. If you don't have enough people to defend, you're, you're weakened. Like I, I'm a firm believer that a strong military um, is the, is the strength of a nation. Um, and it's not because I served for 20 some odd years, but like it's, be, it's because it's true, right? If you don't have a military and you have enemies, then you have a problem. If you don't, if I have, if I live in a mansion and I have all kinds of expensive shit in my house, but I don't have a security system or a gate around my house, I can expect to be broken into, mm-hmm. you know? Um, <clears throat> so yeah, that was one of the problems that they talked about. I was like, well, maybe it's like a financial issue, right? Like people are just aren't joining because they can get better jobs in the civilian sector. And that may be true. Um, it's definitely true for people who are in the military and they learn a trade and they actually get hands on experience with that trade. And then they choose to get out of the military. Let's say you join the army to be a 25 uniform, which is commo, right? IT type stuff, right? You do your first 40 years of contract, right? And you're doing some IT stuff. Maybe you're living in fiber optic or, you know, you're, you're doing this or that satellite, satellite uh, uplink. You can find that same job in the civilian sector, making damn near 60, uh, six figures a year. And you'll think you know? back on your time in the military, like, man, what the fuck did I waste my time there for when I could have been <laughs> right. Like man, yeah. s- six figures over over army pay? Are you serious, my right. dude? But I'm they way learned, out of here. But they learned that trade yeah. in the army. Yeah, that's so where it that was that was one thing that happened, um, kind of at the height of GWAT, right? Because like all these contract companies overseas, these like um, high high dollar paying um, contract companies for like security, they were hiring all these like special operators like were SF or Delta or Navy SEAL or MARSOC or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they were hiring these dudes to come over and work and, and, and make 150 to $250,000 a year doing overseas contracting in the military. Uh, you know, your average uh, special forces green beret is an E67, right? And so they're only making 50, $60,000 a year, maybe $70,000 a year. You know what I mean? So, what, and and what, that's on know, the sketch side, like, eh, probably not. Yeah, probably closer to fifty. No, I mean they're they're, they're definitely making more than that because you you get to think they're on jump status, so they're getting money for that. They're getting their uh, basic allowance for housing. They're getting uh, special pay for being uh, SF. Yeah, but is right. that going to load you up extra thousands? Really? Ton, yeah, I can. Like that many thousands, dozens, <laughs> dozens of thousands. No, it it, it can it can. Okay. Um, well, maybe I got um, it wrong, but all I know is uh, <laughs> like. Uh, uh, what why what do you think really why do the why are people not joining like I think it's it's a mix of everything it's the times um, people are built different man we ain't built the same way well they want to go the, oh go ahead I was gonna say so the, with the financial thing right like people talk about like we're at the the lowest unemployment rate in, in a while mm-hmm. um, well not in a while um, 2019 we had the same unemployment rate but we the army met the standard they 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 met their recruitment goal for that year so that kind of negates that right like you know like it's not necessarily because they can go out and make it better or make money um 
uh, on the civilian side and make more money or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. So one thing that he talked about, and I, I kind of tend to agree with this is, um, is, uh, <clears throat> oh man, what was it? Loss, loss of trust in the military be- due, to, due to misuse. Right. Um, and that, that's kind of, um, my, my own paraphrasing of, of what he was talking about, but like 2019 to today, right? Like the, the trust, the average trust of the military went from like 70% to like 56%. Right. Mm-hmm. Why is that? What happened in the last two years, three years to cause a, this type of drop in trust politics, man. Well, politics, COVID 2020, man, we saw a ton of fucking riots all over the country. 2020, 2021, ton of riots all over the country. 23 States activated the national guard for, um, for presence patrols for peacekeeping. So now you've got these people in the street, they're mad, right? They're angry at the politicians and what's going on around them because they're not getting their way or because of something bad happening in their world. And everyone's feelings are justified, right? In, to, to themselves and everyone's feelings are validated. Mm-hmm. So now I'm angry and I'm taken to the streets and I'm making Molotov cocktails and I have a fucking sign and I'm fucking angry. And now I want to go tell my side of the story. I want to go show my anger to the people that need to see it. Um, but I can't because standing in front of me is a line of United States Army soldiers. Right. So now I have. I have hatred for them. I don't trust them to do to to to, to defend my country because here they are preventing me from standing up for what I believe in, in my country, man. And so that's kind of started, bro. Don't even get me started with that because I mean, being in the military and being black, fuck. If if we're in the middle of those situations and I could flip it, police, if I'm in the middle of a situation where it is a riot and they're coming towards us and it's a black dude in a cop uniform standing, staring at him. I'm automatically Uncle Tom and all kind of N-words and this and right. that. But hey, I signed up for it, right? Right. But fuck that. Like, people have no decency, you know, no no civility. It's just fucking, like, you're yeah. kind of saying, like, they got to get their point across. It right. is what it is. No, exactly. Like, do what you got to do, but. Well, and that kind of ties into this whole uh, woke culture world that we live in, right? So where everyone is is woke now, right? We're all aware of all these issues. And if you're not aware of them, then you're obviously very obviously the other side. Um, and um, and really that you you could look at that line uh, and, and, you know, you, and you can call it MAGA and everybody on the other side, right? Those who support Trump to the point where he's idolized and he's a god. And everybody on the other side. And that's that's what it's very generalized, broken down to, right? Is is if you don't believe in social justice, you're a, a MAGA Trump supporter. And and I, that, I, I, I call bullshit on that. I think that's bullshit. It's bullshit because I don't agree with every every single one of these like social justice warriors out there like taking to the streets to like to to bring their cause to light. But that doesn't make me a MAGA Trump supporter. You know what I mean? Like, I don't agree with certain things because I don't agree with them. But like, we see the same division happening at the very highest level of our fucking government, right? I I follow the president on on Instagram just because I want to see the things that he posts, and he's constantly posting these divisive posts, and he's very specifically specifically labels them as MAGA re- Republicans and Democrats. And how fucked up is that? 
because you're just continuing to further divide the country. You're sawing us in half and that's not right. Right. And so all of these, all of these things, cause you think about like a lot of the turmoil that happened in our country definitely happened, um, under, under Trump's presidency and whether or not, whether or not that's a thing because of, of him being president or because of, you know, things being pushed around on mainstream media, who knows, right? We could probably trace it back um, and figure out exactly where things went wrong or round about where things went wrong. But oh, with Trump? very generally, huh? With Trump? Well, I mean, just in general, like I, I honestly don't think that that's where like the division started to happen in the country. I think it happened long before that, but um, it, it definitely be, started to come to a head and uh, around that time. Right. And it was just bad timing because he's the kind of guy that's just going to say whatever is on, you know, on his mind and there's no filter and no, no, no PAO team to like, okay, well, Mr. President, like, I know you want to say this. So how about we like, you know, like a key and peel, the anger translator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He needed a, a, a filter that would do that for him. Um, so that things can come out more eloquently because he just didn't have it. Right. There's so many but, other things he needed, but you know, I'll, I'll let you go. Off. Right. <clears throat> right. Right. No, no, no. I know. But like very, when you're talking about like to, when you're talking to the American people, right, and you have such a wide variety of people in this country, and we do, we are probably the most diverse country on the planet. But literally the United States of America was founded on that diversity, right? We don't have a national language for a reason because we have people from all over the planet who want to live here, who come to live here, right? So, um, so when you get a person up there who's just going to say whatever he wants all willy-nilly, right, it's going to continue to divide things. Especially with the things that were happening during his presidency, especially with a lot of what these riots were over, right? So now, again, like you're calling out the National Guard, and they're coming out there and they're standing in the way of these people, and they're saying, "You can't do this." Well, this is America. I can do what the fuck I want. Well, that's true, but you can't because I'm standing here and I was told to stand here. So now the people are mad at the American military for getting in their way, and you see a lot of people being like, "Well, fuck that. I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to be a part of the system." you can't you can't you can't make me be a part of that i'm not going to tell people what they can and can't do so i'm not going to join the military so it's kind of wild to think right so like i think that's a big part of it and then the other thing the other factor and this is a real one only 23 percent of the american population ages 18 to 40 are eligible to join 23 percent. that's it that's that's all that's capable of joining right now because of um, criminal history or fitness, right? It's fitness. The overweight thing is such a problem that the army has created a pre-boot camp boot camp. Hell yeah. So you can join the army overweight and out of shape and they will send you to a pre-boot camp boot camp where you will learn physical fitness. You will be on a controlled diet. You will exercise every day, and then when you when you make height and weight, you will ship off to basic training. Is that the FTU? It's a, a, a version of it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like FTU was generally reserved for when you're in basic training and you either you can't pass your PT test come you know the end of graduation, or you know you get injured. They have WTRP now for that. I can't remember what it stands for, but basically it's like the rehab. And recovery or whatever. But like they have so now now they have that for people coming into the army. So you can join the army fat, out of shape, and go to this pre boot camp boot camp before you ship to basic training. You know, I had a trainee, I've, I've had a couple of them, but the most recent one, he he wanted to join the army so badly 
um, but he couldn't because he was overweight. He had to lose, I think he said over a hundred pounds, just to join the army, and he did, and he lost all the weight, and he came to basic training, and he was a performer. He did great. He was very, very thankful to be there because he knew the hard work that he went through to get there. Determination, baby. Yeah, uh, two thousand ten. In two thousand ten, I had a, a female trainee. She she turned forty two in basic training. She wanted to join the army at 40, but she couldn't because she was overweight. She spent the next year, year and a half, losing 120 pounds and joined the army at 41, turned 42 when she shipped. Right? Yeah. Did not complain a single bit, right? The entire time. Matter of fact, the last ruck march that we did for that cycle, I remember it very well. I, I asked her, because, you know, she's an older woman and I, you know, was making sure because those rucks can kick your ass even though they're a slow pace. And I said, hey, is everything, you, you, you're good, you're fine, you're walking kind of funny, you're fine. She's like, oh, no, my foot just hurts, no big deal. So okay, cool. The same cycle, I had 17-year-olds, right? Drill sergeant, when's the next stop? I'm so tired. When are we done? Blah, blah, blah. How much further do we have to go? Blah, they were blah, blah. saying, what? To you? Yeah. To you? Yeah, exactly. Oh, uh, it's, it's, it's It's a different army, man. It's a different army. But, um, <clears throat> so we complete the graduation requirement, right? So she finishes the ruck. The next day she goes to sick hall, come to, come to find out she had um, a broken foot. Mm. Completed the ruck and come to find out the last three weeks of basic training, which is the field, uh, two different ruck marches, um, the night infiltration course, and something else, on a broken foot, battle march and shoot. No, not battle march, uh, buddy team live fire. On a broken foot. Fuck this last cycle, I had a female training, my, my little one, my, uh, 411 and a half, um, completed all the graduation requirements, um, the 10 mile ruck at the end and the night infiltration course and battle, uh, the, um, buddy team live fire where you, where you bound and you shoot at the same time. Mm-hmm. She did all of that with six hip fractures. Oh man. What are you, yeah. what are you beating these people up? Not nah, well, she also has a, a, a different condition. Um, her hips aren't level. One leg is a little bit longer than the other. So yeah, they definitely contributed to, to that. But yeah. determination in a person like that. Who says, I signed up to do this. I want to be the best at it. And I'm not going to let anything fucking stop me to include my own fucking physical health. And you got to love that about a person, right? Because like they're willing to sacrifice themselves. And I don't know if you remember in the big red one, our motto is no sacrifice too great. Um, you know, was it uh, uh, no mission difficult, no sacrifice too great duty first, mm-hmm. no mission too difficult, no sacrifice too great, no sacrifice too great. It's an important one there because you're talking about the, the sacrifice of anything and everything up to including your life. Right. And so now you've got these, these trainees who, who are so determined to, to, to beat this, that they're willing to sacrifice their own health. And I, and I tell them all like, listen, take your health very, very serious, right? Because it's you, you, this is the only body you have. We can't transfer your consciousness into a robot yet. So this is all you get. I'm sure Elon's working on that though. Gotta hope not. <laughs> it's, I think it's coming honestly in the next uh, 20, 30 years, maybe 50 years. It'll be a thing for sure. But that's a problem, right? Like, uh, people are just not fit enough to join the military, right? And, and it's to the point now in the army, like we're waving criminal history. Yeah, I was gonna say when you gave that percentage earlier, I'm, I was gonna say uh, that's probably a lot higher than what it was back in the day because it's more lax now. You can tattoos and whatnot, and yeah, not like that makes you a bad soldier, which is the dumbest thing. I think you should be able to have tattoos wherever you want as long as you do your job right, but. Well, I mean, I understand it from like a professionalism standpoint because I think, I mean, to me, tattoos on the face just unnecessary. I mean, not on the face and neck, but you know, if I have them, you know, sleeved up, like as long as I wear yeah. a sleeved uniform, 
it's covered up, you know? Yeah. Let it go. <clears throat> yeah. No. And that was the thing. So what was really interesting is, uh, 2014, the Sergeant Major of the Army at the time, Sergeant Major Chandler, um, made a, uh, a policy change to the tattoo policy and said, no more sleeves. I allowed to have a tattoo that's larger than I can't remember what the dimensions were on your arms, anything that could be seen outside of the PT uniform. So like the, the, the summer PT uniform, so short sleeves and short shorts, you weren't allowed to have tattoos there. If you already had them, then uh, they needed to be photographed and documented in a system that we had. And they, um, they, they potentially could bar you from reenlistment in the army. So then the next Sergeant Major of the Army came in, Sergeant Major Daly, and immediately reversed that. It says, that's dumb, right? Like, that's, we're, we're missing, we're losing a ton of people over a dumb tattoo policy. And now it's to the point where the, ta- the tattoo policy was once again revised um, and says, now you can have tattoos on your hands and your fingers and your neck and behind the ear, but they have to be, they can't be outside of a certain dimension. And again, I can't remember what that is off the top of my head, but... Uh, so it is really interesting what they're doing. So they're waiving high school diplomas and EDs. So you don't have to be, um, you know, that, that doesn't have to be your highest level of education completed. Oh, you right? don't have to have nothing. You can nope. just be bald headed. No, no education. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the thing, right? So when you factor that in, we're still looking at like fucking 70, 75% of the population, not qualified, including all of these fucking things, right? Wow. Like, what is going on? Times are changing, man. Like I was saying, they're afraid. Um, minimum wage is going up in some places. Why do I have to go and do that? Yeah. Uh, you don't have the Patriots, I guess, so much. I mean, and if you do, it's hard to figure out if they're, like you said, Democrat or MAGA. And what is what yeah. is their purpose for whatever they're doing? Like, that's weird. Like there's so well, many different factors like, and then people want to go viral. Yeah. So, right. Right. Cause easy money is the, is the, is the faster way. Yeah. Out. But like these people are sitting there struggling, trying to fucking post content and this content's not going anywhere. And you, they, you did bring up a good point though. Patriotism. So this cycle is the first cycle that I've ever had. Um, where only a handful were joining for patriotism or legacy or because they wanted to join the military to, to defend the country. Previous cycles that I've had, I remember back in 2009 during uh, the the big surge in, of 2009. Of, uh, mm-hmm. I had asked my trainees why I joined the military and they said, I want to go to war. I want to defend the country. I want to fight. I want to kill people. I want to do I want to do my job. I want to do my part. To now. Well, I want to kill people. Like, take it easy, psycho. <laughs> yeah, right. Especially considering thing. we weren't training combat arms. Like, it's not your job to Jesus. do that. You should join the infantry. Learn how to push the papers. And yeah. Change those but like now, arms. now people are joining because college tuition, the GI bill, yeah. um, $50,000 bonuses. If you're willing to ship within the next 30 days, that, that's the highest bonuses have ever been, by the way, $50,000. If you're willing to ship in the next 30 days, Man, be if, on you, the first if, thing if, if you're not willing to ship in the next 30 days and you're only looking at like 30 grand, mm. depending on the MOS. Yeah. So $50,000, if you're willing to ship in the next 30 days and you're, and you're qualified, like how wild, right? So, even with that going on, we're still not getting people to join. Like we're handing out fucking money. And I think a lot, a lot of it is, is the global war on terror is over. Um, a lot of people don't trust the government to handle the military how they need to, because the, the botched withdrawal from Afghanistan last year really left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths mm-hmm. and they don't want to be mistreated 
by the um, governing officials. And then, you know, so you join the military now and you're not, you're not a hometown hero, right? You're just some guy joining the military. You're just some guy who gave up on going to college or because you had nothing else and fuck it, the army will take me. Right. Like they're joining for the reasons that we kind of joined for, right? Like to get out of our towns, to get away from what we were living in, to, to better ourselves or for college tuition or whatever it may be. That's, that's what I remember joining for. I didn't join for patriotism. I didn't join because there was a war going on. There wasn't a war going on. Oh no, I was there for the college money and to get out of the house and to go to a different country on somebody else's dime. Exactly. And that's what these kids are joining for. And, you know, so and it's, it's really hard. To, it's actually really difficult to to train someone who, who joined for those reasons, because, you, you know, when you're training these 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 trainees that are eager to learn because they know they're going to go to Afghanistan or Iraq, then they, they're soaking everything in. Right. They take it serious. Right. The, the, they're not uh, the, the discipline. Mm, discipline has always kind of been an, an iffy subject in basic training ever since they removed drill and ceremony. Mm-hmm. Um. But like back then, those trainees, they, they, they were, they were all about it. Like, let's go to the range. Let's go do this. Let's go do that. Right. Except for a few young ones today. It's just, you know, it's a task. It's a thing that I have to complete. You know, you talk about a 42 alpha, which is an admin clerk, right? Paperwork, Mm -hmm. right? Why, how do I motivate them to complete a seven mile ruck march when they'll never do it again? Yeah. Shout out to my 42 alpha. Right. You know, like what, what, how do I incentivize a trainee on the range to shoot expert when they'll never find themselves in a position to shoot again? They might not even have an assigned rifle when they get to their unit. Flip side, how do you feel training those people? I would, I would want to pull my hair out like, Hey man, this shit's serious. (laughs) You signed up for it. I mean, I know we're out here on this, this range, you said they're talking back to him being wild. What the fuck is that about, man? That would never, what? never fly. Uh, I guess, you know, it is what it is. You, you pick your job because that's what's comfortable for you. I picked infantry because that's what I'm fucking, that's what I wanted to do. I, I couldn't see myself joining the army and doing anything else. It doesn't make any sense to me. I played army yeah. as a kid. It wasn't, I wasn't playing 42 alpha. Not <laughs> to knock that. And we spoke about this before, but that's, it is what it is. This is what I picked. I'm going to go and train my ass off to learn this particular job as hard as I, as best I can. Right. It's just not a thing. What it, what you're telling me is these people are just there. I mean, a, a large portion of them, but like Oof. The, drill, the drill sergeant creed has a line in it that says, I will instill pride in all I train, pride in self in the army and in country. And so part of our job is to instill that pride in them, right? So, like, they might be joining for a three- or four-year stint, mm-hmm. um, reserve guard or active duty, and they they only, in their minds, all they're thinking about is just learning this job and then performing this job and then getting out of the Army and then seeking life elsewhere, making more money. But while they're here, while they're in training, we have to teach them, we have to give them examples of 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 ways that, they contribute in, in such a, uh, a larger way than they imagined. We have to help them develop that pride. Um, and that's a hard task to do sometimes. Um, <clears throat> I definitely found myself mentioning the story of Jessica Lynch um, back in 2003 in Iraq, the initial push into Iraq. 
Mm-hmm. And trying to tell that story, if, if folks, if you're not familiar with the story, just look up Jessica Lynch, um, United States Army, fucking Iraq 2003, whatever the fuck, um, and you'll get the full scoop there. But, um, but you, you know, you're sitting there trying to tell these kids these stories. Like, listen, when I joined the army, there was no war going on. Three days before I graduated basic training and in, uh, uh, infantry AIT, 9/11 happened. So 9/11 happens. Three days later, bam, done. Fuck. Now I'm going to war. Right. With with what's going on in the planet right now, right? The global climate currently, with Ukraine and Russia and China and Taiwan, like it's very fucking possible. Especially since they're fucking throwing the word nuke around, like shit could go fucking south at any moment. All it takes is for somebody to get mad at somebody else and push a fucking button. You didn't even talk about North Korea and whoever they're beefing with at the time, launching missiles right. over Japan. Yeah. So yeah, I heard that the the, the South Korean army was uh, scrambled their air force recently, uh, yesterday the day before, because North Korea was flying near or around or doing something fucking crazy. Yeah. It so, only like, takes the, something small too. Something really small and makes something really big and terrible happen. That's right. what I'm afraid of with all this stuff. I don't really think that any of these people want to launch nukes at at some something, unless they're just really screwed up in the head. Putin looking at you, but mm-hmm. like. It's it's just I don't know, man. Right. Well, and you, and you got to think. So, in any of those situations, let's say the the North Korean um, Air Force, if you can call them that, is flying around the DMZ and they're doing something crazy, and South Korea scrambles their jets and they're up there in the air trying to like run defensive maneuvers, and then one of them misperceives the actions of a North Korean pilot and fires upon them. Fuck, that's it. Done. That skirmish picks back up. It goes from being a cold war back to a hot war. And then all the allies of either of, of both comes into this thing. So now you've got China backing North Korea. We're obviously backing South Korea. Japan's backing South Korea. Russia's backing China. So now we have the, and that's what I keep telling people is we have right now the groundwork for world war three laid out before us. You do your, like, look at your history. Like you look back to world war one and world war two and what caused those events and what caused each country to come in on either the fucking, the, uh, the good guys or the bad guys. Right. It was, it was very similar to what's going on right now. Uh, And and people are just ignoring it. They're just, they're just oblivious to it. And, and people are not joining the military. Like, what do you think is going to happen when World War Three actually kicks off and we don't have the military, we don't have the manning to handle it? Robots. We're fucked. We, got, mean, we got nukes. What was it Einstein that said? I don't know what World War Three will be fought with, but World War Four will be fought with sticks and stones. Yep. Um, and I think that, that, that means a lot and it's definitely relevant in today's today's world for sure but i don't know man very interesting times um but i will say like to one way that i found like to motivate these guys was to speak to them on a personal level right to talk to them about like you know what it means to serve what it means to me to have served right i to tell them that i joined for the same reasons that they joined but i stayed in for different reasons because i believed in the overall mission right i believed in training troops and i believed in and passing along my my knowledge to the next generation of soldier um and giving them everything that i could so that they could be successful in their careers like i believed in that and i wanted them to you know understand they have you know unique um characteristics that could benefit the army and the people around them 
And, um, and I think that helps a lot, right? Like helping them understand that like there's the world is bigger than them. You know, the world, and it is right. The world is just, it's bigger than you. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than all of us. Um, it is all of us and we need to understand that and we need to understand how our actions, however small they are, can have this great butterfly effect uh, a month to a year to two years from now and what that could impact. Um, and I don't know. It's just, but this was definitely a more difficult cycle for me in terms of how do I, how do I convince these people this is real? There's no war, right? Um, I can't predict the future. I'm not a, I'm not a prophet. So I can't say like, oh, well, when, uh, on this date, shit's going to hit the fan. You better know your shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't do that. So, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> yeah. Like, how, how do you just be ready? I guess. Yeah. In, in the words of, uh, Eric Carmenez, how do I reach these kids? <laughs> um, but no, I, I will say generally speaking though, like th- it was a fun cycle for sure. Um, it was definitely a, a good last cycle. Um, and, um, I, I feel very fortunate to have been a part of that platoon and to be able to, to train those kids, um, those guys and gals and be able to pass the torch, so to speak. Um, there were definitely some really, really good ones, um, that I enjoyed, uh, mentoring and teaching and learning from, you know, in several cases too. I, you know, I think to be an effective leader, you can't shut off the possibility of learning something from people you're in charge of. You know what I mean? Uh, cause they come from a different life than you, right? They have different experiences, different per- uh, perceptions and they, you know, if you're, you know, if you're not careful, they can teach you something new. Yeah. You're right about that. Yeah. And on that oh, note, fucking show. on that note, brother, um, it's nice to have you back. I know, uh, things are different, but they're going to be, <laughs> different again now that you're back and it's uh cool that uh things have changed a little bit it's not something to worry about um we're just going to continue on with stuff uh continue with success with things right absolutely man like i said like what are you doing from six midnight you know um and uh and that i think applies to us and the show and other endeavors that we may have like what are we doing and why are we wasting our time Mm -hmm. it's one thing we won't do and on that note kevin i'm gonna shut this one down we've been going for almost 90 minutes 90 plus minutes uh you want to you want to close this one out you want me to do it no, I got it, man. Um, been a minute. Let's see how it goes. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, to Before I Forget the podcast, you can find us on Facebook. Uh, Before I Forget on Instagram at Before I Forget. Do we have anything else? Uh, no. We're everywhere. Yeah, you can find us on uh, what is it? Fucking Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google us, man. Or, Google us. Yeah, are we Googleable? Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. Follow us on all the fucking things. Like, share, and subscribe. Go leave a review. Leave an actual review. Like, if you're going to leave some stars, leave some reviews. If you're going to leave one star, definitely leave a review. Like, don't be a dick, right? Like, tell us why we suck. Um, reach out to us. Comment on our posts and uh, fucking be a part of the damn show. Sometimes we do live shows where we have actual, like, uh, what do we call it? People listening in? An audience, I guess? Yeah, audience. Ask questions and shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We got to do that sometime again uh, next, next month or two. But uh, we definitely have some things planned for the future, and we're looking forward to those things. And uh, so stick around. Fucking, again, like, listen, share, subscribe, listen, share, subscribe, like, and follow us.
Thank you very much. That's it. And uh, we love you and take care. Bye. I got to have a better closeout. I got to have a better closeout than that. Uh, Yeah. Stay classy, San Diego. Keep it in your pants, brother man. (laughs) Uh, Fuck. Uh, Don't add to the population. Don't subtract from the population. There you go.